whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. Woo! This is the Dynasty Warzone, the People's Dynasty Podcast, and here are your hosts, Memphis at DFF Memphis and Jerry at Jerry Sin DFF. Folks, Kyle here. I'm a physical therapist and a fantasy football junkie. I've been doing Dynasty for a year, and I joined the Dynasty Warzone Patreon about six months ago. And never have I felt more comfortable with having Memphis, Jerry, and the guys in the patron chat help me with buys, sells, and navigating free agency and rookie draft. I can't recommend them enough. And so join the Patreon, because if you ain't first, you're last. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the Dynasty War Zone, the People's Dynasty Podcast. And tonight's topic, we're going to get a little rookie wisdom with none other than Matt Waldman, but again, we're holding true to what we do here at the Dynasty War Zone. We're not going to hit you with a lot of Dobbins and Swift and and Jonathan Taylor or Judy or Lamb as much as I would like to. Uh, we we kind of have a good feel for those guys. We want to get into that second layer, that second and third round that Dynasty rosters and Dynasty value is really made. You know, we here at the Dynasty War Zone have had great success the last couple of years identifying guys like Devin Singletary, guys like Cooper Cup, guys like Terry McLaren, and, and so many more because we hang out with guys like, like Matt Waldman. None of us know as much as all of us, so we're going to get deep into that second layer. But I'll tell you who's never second layer and never second best. He is my co-host. He is the man of the hour and the man with the power. He is Jerry Sinclair. Jerry, you ready for some uh, Matt Waldman in your life? <laughs> Of course I am. Listen, I get to talk with you. Always a good time. I get to sit down with a legend, which is why this is so fun to do. And let's be honest, I'm going to end up taking a ton of notes because he's a smart dude and he knows things that I cannot possibly know. So, yes, I am having fun. And there's another thing, Randy. You know, I'm taking a little Latin right now in school and I got a thing for you. Acto dirum. Spanish speakers might know it as ocho dias. We know it as eight days because it's eight days to the draft, boy. Oh, man, I, I am so excited. I'll tell you what else I'm excited about is uh, my, my new collaboration with the crew over at the Dynasty Happy Hour. So I, we, we put out the Dynasty Contractor. The first episode dropped both here on the Dynasty Warzone feed last Friday and on the Dynasty Happy Hour feed last Friday. Now, that will be exclusive on the Dynasty Happy Hour feed going forward. But, Jerry, did you happen to hear the, the the contractor with Kyle? I did. And I got the little sneak peek because I heard about it in the in the chat. Because, well, if you were in the Patreon chat, you would know all about it. Th- th- this is true. So, uh, fast forward. Let's, let, let's uh, rewind to the beginning. And before we fast forward, Kyle is one of our Patreons. And he was nice enough to offer to do the little commercial, uh, I guess, recommendation at the beginning of the pod, and I had to go with someone I could trust, and obviously our Patreons are people that we could trust, and that, man, that was a lot of fun, and I'll tell you what else was a lot of fun, Jerry, the number of people that have reached out, man, I have got so many people booked for this thing, 
but how do you fast pass it? How do you get there sooner? You know, much like uh, our two newest Patreons, Jamie and Justin, you just go over to patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone. I'll tell you what, people are like, well, you're always selling something. Let me tell you something. Mr. or Mrs., you're in quarantine right now. If your ass can drink one cup of Folgers for two days in a row instead of a Starbucks two days in a row, boom, you just paid for a month of the Dynasty Warzone. That's easy. Folgers ain't the best coffee in the world. It'll get you by. And if you can get by two mornings with a cup of Folgers, you'll be opening up a can of whoop-ass on your Dynasty League by going to patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone. Jerry, you guys are going bananas right now. You were supposed to be in school today. I was. I was for a little bit, but, you know, we were talking sports history, and I was talking sports. I feel like that was a good thing to be distracted about. Yeah, I, I got to I gotta tell you, the real education for you today was in that group chat. You were getting learned. Uh, I'll tell you what else I'm going to learn you on is I'm going to warn you that this uh, this show will be a little bit longer. Uh, the conversation with, with Matt is done. Uh, we're going to get this thing put together real quick. Uh, it'll be in that 75-minute range, but it's going to be the best 75 minutes you can listen to as you get ready for this draft. And on Friday, a little bonus, a little outside of our normal realm, more of a, a redraft best ball DFS top guy, Bob Lung of Big Guy Fantasy Football. He's going to stop by. We're going to talk about the Midwest Fantasy Football Expo, the likelihood of that happening in midst of a, of a corona outbreak, uh, and just a lot more. So make sure to tune in on Friday. Two new reviews, Jerry. Two new iTunes five-star reviews. Moving up in the world. Moving on up to the 200s. Thank you so much. If you're bored, you know, you can do this on iTunes, on your computer. You can do it on the little purple podcast app uh, on your iPhone. You can also do it Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, whatever you're doing. There's a review section. Slide on over there. Hit them five stars. We'll help you out a bunch. And uh, real quick, call out our social media, at Dynasty Warzone on both Instagram and Twitter. The Instagram has uh, been going. Lots of new followers on the gram. Uh, and that's one of the ways you can get on the Dynasty Happy Hour Contractor is slide in the Instagram DMs. Why Instagram? You know, we, we've got a good number of Twitter, Twitter followers, but we really want to branch out and grow the IG. All right, Jerry, let's let's bring on the man, the reason why they're here. Uh, and tonight's guest, you know him as maybe a, a senior staff writer for the football guys, but you really know him as the creator of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio uh, and the host of the Matt Waldman RSP cast. He's got a YouTube channel. He's got a lot going on. But let's welcome back to the show Mr. Matt Waldman, who can be found on Twitter, at Matt Waldman. All right, joining us on the show, this man needs no introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway on top of the one that we just did. It is Matt Waldman of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio, and not only the Rookie Scouting Portfolio that you know. If you don't know, this man's got a podcast. I am a subscriber. I'm a five-star review lever of the Matt Waldman. Uh, You're very welcome. Matt, welcome back to the show. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on again. It's always nice to get to be able to talk about rookies and and dynasty football with you guys. I'm just I'm just here for the docile tones of Matt Waldman. I get to hear it on YouTube, but now I get to talk with it live and in person. It warms me to bed. It's like a like a warm a warm fire in a nice winter cabin. Well, I appreciate that, and I'm and careful now because I do have some. You know, it was my 50th birthday about two months ago. And the five on the balloon that my wife got me still here, so I might use that helium, and we might just speak and <laughs> speak with a helium altered. <laughs> You'll voice. sound like me. 
Oh, come on now. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, I couldn't really imagine Matt on helium. Now, Jerry feels like that's something he's done a lot in, in his <laughs> lifetime. So uh, every year we, we've been fortunate to get you on. I believe this is the third straight year, maybe the fourth, maybe going back to when John and, and Mike were here. But the, the new RSP just came out, the new Rookie Scouting Portfolio. It actually came out a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking before I hit the record button. I've been so busy doing stuff that I'm, I'm used to buying it the week of the draft, not realizing that it, it had come out. So uh, what can you tell us about the 2020 edition uh, as well as what else is going on with uh, you and the Rookie Scouting Portfolio family of products? Sure. You know, um, the 2020 edition is, is kind of a continuation of what was new with 2019. I'm doing quarterback charting these days. So you're getting a chance to see some charting reports for every quarterback that I evaluate. Um, there were 151 players that I studied this year. Um, nearly 500 pages of content was written during the month. Um, and it was, you know, devoted to those four positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And, you know, some really nice overviews in the chapter are, that pertain for dynasty owners in terms of kind of some draft history, recent draft history and trends for each of those positions. And of course that comes, you know, when you get the RSP, you get the RSP post draft that gives you um, some ADP information based on drafts that have taken place within the week of the NFL draft or the week after the NFL draft, as well as um, a cheat sheet that gives you kind of a sweet spot to look for whether when I have players maybe rated above where most people have them rated. I hope you kind of find the sweet spot for where you should draft them. For instance, when I like Patrick Mahomes more than most, I didn't say get him number one overall when you didn't have to get him number one overall. I showed you the sweet spot for where you can get him for value. Same with guys like Nick Chubb um, or, you know, AJ Brown. Um, and talk to, you know, I go over fit and things like that. And you get a newsletter from June through December um, once a month that goes over really, uh, you know, three years worth of rankings. I do updates three times a year. I give you some information about where, how I think these rookies are progressing based on what we, what we learn as well as the, um, you know, 2020, look at the 2021 draft class and give you some sneak previews on what I think about some of the players there. Um, and so, you know, that's going well. And of course the YouTube channel and the site all kind of keep humming along and, and uh, have great work from guys like Mark Schofield on quarterbacks. And occasionally you'll see some stuff from Jay Moyer and Dwayne uh, McFarland, who both do excellent work with analytics as well as the, uh, as well as running backs. And uh, that's, that's a lot. That's what's been going great. Well, I thought I had a lot going on as it related to fantasy and dynasty. Uh, I'll just take a back seat and let, let you do it all. I will say we were fortunate enough to have uh, Mr. Schofield on with us a couple of weeks back. He and I were able to talk about some of the rookies. Jerry, do you have any questions about the rookie scouting portfolio before we uh, jump into our first question? I am going to end up asking them as we go. So let's just put this man in the gauntlet. All right, we're going to do that. So the one thing that Jerry and I have not been doing a lot of is we've not been hyper-focusing on the big names. I think people know who Tua and Burrow are and where they're going to draft them for their dynasty teams. We're really trying to get into that next layer, that that second round, third round, where finding the the gems of the draft, because, you know, the hit rate on these rookies go down as we get deeper into rookie drafts. So the first quarterback I wanted to talk about is Jalen Hurts. He, he seems to be a very polarizing figure 
uh, on Twitter as it relates to Dynasty. Uh, so I want to ask you, do you think he has a, a pro's throwing skill set? Because what I see personally, I see an athlete making things happen. He looked more accurate at the combine, but it's different when you're in shorts and a, and a t-shirt versus when you're facing defenders. So what can you give us, the, the listener, on Jalen Hurts? Yeah, and I'm glad you asked me about him because he's he's probably one of the more fun players to evaluate this year in terms of rookies, um, even though you know he may not be a marquee player because I do think that he has a future in the NFL, but it's going to take some time for him to work it out a little bit. Um, you know, the accuracy that you that you asked about is probably due to when you watch him on film and he has to move around in the pocket or he's authoring different drops that aren't so scripted as a pro day would show. You're going to see him in situations where that back foot isn't really steady in the way that it should be. And when you're throwing uh, a football, the midline of your back foot is really kind of the rudder for the accuracy of your throws. And think of it kind of like a rudder for a boat, you know, and and where you have that pointed is basically helps you determine where the ball, where, you know, where the um, boat's going to go. Well, with your back foot where that's pointed depends where the ball's going to go. And he's not always steady in that regard. So his accuracy can be a little off due to that so he's gonna have to firm that up and that may take a little bit of time and effort for him to really work on those drops and make sure that his feet are steady in a variety of situations and it doesn't um cause a problem to where you know when when he's in the thick of a play that he has lapses um so that technique's going to really have to be ingrained he also you know people harp on his release motion because it's kind of elongated but from what i'm seeing and from when i talk to a lot of quarterback coaches who i trust really the issue is is that if a quarterback can um, deliver the ball productively on a scalable level repeatedly without getting hurt um, with their motion and it's quick enough and it's not an issue it's not going to be an issue and I don't see an issue with Hertz's throwing motion even if it doesn't fit you know really the aesthetics of what a lot of people do when they when they um, evaluate quarterbacks online um, but when it comes to his game I I think that yeah he's a playmaker tries to make things happen and there are times that he'll get too invested in plays and as a result of that you're going to see him try too hard to keep a play alive and throw the ball in the coverage that really he should have just thrown the ball away. Um, but he has a very strong deep arm. I think he has good base level accuracy that's going to get better. And the decision-making actually gets better in pivotal situations where he knows he can't take the kind of risks that um, that he may in earlier parts of games. So I think it's a matter of just, for him, it's going to be a matter of maturing, you know, and really shoring up the technical issues of his game. And if he can do that, I wouldn't be surprised if he challenges for a starting role in a couple of years, two to three years with a team. I think of a guy like David Garrard, who was a player with the Jaguars. He's been my comp for him. Um, a player that, you know, had a Pro Bowl season, took over for Byron Leftwich, had a, was able to lead the team to the playoffs once, didn't have a sustained career as a starter, but um, someone that, you know, with a good team around him can help them contend. And I think he has that as honestly kind of his midpoint upside. I think his 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 high end upside would be somewhere between Garrard and Donovan McNabb in terms of style of play. I don't think he's going to hit that. That's going to have to be everything perfect for he's going to have to develop on a level that's faster than people expect or that I would expect him to be able to do. But this is a smart football player 
who just can get a little too invested in his athletic ability, has some technical flaws. But remember, I mean, this is a guy that at Georgia, uh, against Georgia, he, you know, he got benched in the middle of a national championship game and he didn't let that get him down. He didn't let him get him down that he, that he basically didn't win the national championship for that, for Alabama. And he stayed an entire year afterwards and he goes to Oklahoma and he, he plays like he plays terrific. So, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, this is a, a resilient young man who, who's positive, who has, I think you look at those types of skills and you, and you realize that this is someone who understands that, you know, he's a competitor and he's going to keep working and he has confidence in himself. And that's a very important trait for college players transition transition to the NFL because quarterbacks can lose confidence very quick. It's a very performance-oriented um, profession. And when you lose confidence early, you can be a superstar in a lot of areas and your game can go into a complete shell and you never come out. I remember last year, Sam Darnold seeing ghosts. Uh, that became a, a big thing. Uh, Jerry, you have anything on Jalen Hurts? Questions? I, I have a question about the wide receivers. You know, he played at Alabama, who has a plethora of wide receivers. He plays at Oklahoma, and they have C.D. Lamb. Do you think that helped boost his game at all, or do you think his skill set is what it is, and he, he can just use what he has available to him? Yeah, and I think this is a very fair question that often comes up when we're asking about rookies and scouting, and I think it gets down to really a fundamental question is, how does your evaluation work so that you're evaluating the player and not the surrounding talent and that you can separate the player from the surrounding talent. And I know a lot of people say you can't do that or you have to factor in production. And and certainly those things are, it's nice to look at production. And certainly there are areas where, you know, the team is going to help make the play successful from a yardage standpoint. We think of as, you know, football writers and fantasy players and fantasy analysts, we often think of players as, successful when they actually make gains that you can mark down you know that you can that you can quantify with yardage or or points um for an evaluator for me it's 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 really about can you define what success is in non-yardage non-point terms but more in terms of processes and decision making process technical processes and execution of a play to the point that did you put your teammates in a successful in a position for them to be successful whether they converted or not whether you whether you were able to get it to them in a situation where they were fully successful but you did everything up to a certain point where that was within your control did you do those things well and you know i don't have jalen hurts rated extremely high on my board um but i do recognize that he is a that he's a talent that can develop into a future starter. And based on that, yeah, looking at how I evaluate players, he did the things he needed to do from the pocket um, in terms of timing, in terms of getting the ball on um, to where he needed to for his receivers on time, reading the defense, that he showed enough potential that whether or not um, C.D. Lamb caught the ball, whether or not Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs or anybody else made a play, he put them in position to make successful plays. All right. I love it. Uh, real quick, one more other quarterback I just wanted to touch on real quick was Jacob Eason, mostly out of selfish reasons. I continue to see him mock to the Colts, which is my my favorite team. I, I think that would be an ideal situation for him. But 
is he as landing spot dependent as he feels? Because he almost plays, I don't want to say a throwback style of the game, but he's more of that statuesque uh, drop back pass, needs a good offensive line, which obviously the Colts have. Uh, he kind of would have a mentor in that fact with, you know, Phillip Rivers. He's not the most mobile dude around. How do you see him translating? Is he going to be one of the most landing spot dependent prospects we've seen in a while at the quarterback position? Yeah, it's such an interesting question because he's, you know, he may, he probably makes the most types of drops of any quarterback in the class. And because he can run from a, you know, he can do five and seven, seven step drops and he can hang in the pocket. Um, what we don't always think about is that, you know, Carson Wentz was a West Coast quarterback and they converted him to a spread quarterback who can, and he certainly could move around and he was mobile, but, you know, he, he was a guy that kind of plays in a quick fire offense. I think Jacob Eason, you know, is a guy, he kind of reminds me of what people hoped Jameis Winston would become. I think he's kind of, it doesn't mean that he's going to become what people hope Jameis Winston would become, but I think he's in that same, that same potential sphere in terms of when they were both seniors. It's just that Winston had a little bit more um, love going his way. He had a more successful team, um, you know, but I think with Eason, you you look at his toughness, his ability to to be able to work outside the pocket and throw on the move. There are some there's some potential there for him in that regard. Um, he he tends to retreat too much. I worry about that a little bit when, he, when it comes to pressure. He tries to run away from the pressure as opposed to trying to um, climb and slide to one side. But he he has a terrific arm, and I think that he's he plays on that on that um, kind of border between aggressive and reckless. And if he can just stay on that border <laughs> and not drift over to the reckless side as much as he does at times, I think that he can have a successful career. And I think, you know, the Colts would be a good team for him, but I think there are a number of teams that would be successful with him because really when you can make all those drops the way that he does and that he does have some mobility to his game, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a stiff um, I think that he's a guy that could play in a lot of different offenses. So, you know, the Colts would be nice, especially if they just give him shorter, quicker decisions. Um, but even a team like the Jaguars, you know, even though I like Gardner Minshew's potential as a player in many respects, I, I think that Jacob Eason is a guy that could certainly go there. If he falls to the third or fourth round for whatever reason, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would be a nice match for him to sit behind Tom Brady where he could – you know, working a Bruce Arians offense that, you know, Arians likes to have those types of drops and and certainly wouldn't probably wouldn't mind having a guy who doesn't go over the border into recklessness the way that Winston has on a regular basis. And they might be able to get a guy who where they might feel like, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but like getting Jameis Winston right would be like kind of the theme for picking Jacob Eason in Tampa Bay. Man, poor Jameis. Hopefully he winds up with a job. I'm sure once the uh, the teams can have people in, he'll uh, find a nice backup role. He uh, He's the new Blake Bortles. All right, so we're going to get into these running backs. I don't have a lot on Swift or Jonathan Taylor or Dobbins unless you do, Jerry. Anything that's like sticking out? No, I mean, they are what they are at this point. At, at this point, I'm hearing a lot of uh, Jerry's favorite running back prospect, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, I, I continue to see him in the top 45 of mock drafts going a lot to Tampa Bay at 45, I believe. 
And I just wanted to, you know, get your opinion from a fantasy standpoint and an overall standpoint between him and Cam Akers. They're the four and the five right now. A lot of people have anointed Akers ahead of Edwards Hilaire, but I just love that pass-catching profile that he brings. I think he had 55 or 56 receptions this past year, and I think that's going to be an underrated skill set that the NFL is going to look to maximize. Yeah, and, um, you know, Edwards Hilaire is certainly someone that is – been getting a lot of buzz and I think Tampa Bay would be a great fit for him because of the fact that he is a good route runner already he can already really set up defenders on those option routes in space and he's he's reasonably sure-handed um and a lot of people would say well what he's a great receiver why'd you say that and it's uh, you know if we're gonna nitpick it I'd say he he doesn't extend well for the ball against tight coverage um I don't think he's as good of a receiver in tight coverage as he is as uh, as he is a route runner who catches the ball well on you know pinpoint throws when he's wide open um obviously very shifty runner great low center of gravity excellent vision someone that can really run any scheme for you and run it well so he can give you a, a devonta freeman type of player um, and then in a and maybe early on in his career, more of a James White type of look um, for a, a team like the Buccaneers. Um, when it comes to Acres, I do have Acres one slot above Hilaire. Now, again, I don't really care about rankings on, on a binary level. I like using tiers, so they're in the same tier. Um, they're very close together, and it just depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for a zone runner someone who runs inside zone, outside zone, split zone, um, those types of plays where you have, you know, three options on every play for a running back and he's going to be able to, you know, press and cut back, then Edwards Hilaire is going to be the more successful guy immediately for you. But if you're like the Colts, the Chargers, the Buffalo Bills, or any team that runs gap, which are like power, trap, toss plays, counter plays where you pull a guard or pull players and have lead blockers and they you basically marshal your resources towards one gap and say hit that sucker hard and and then get in the open field for me cam Akers is the better player and cam Akers, in fact might be one of the top three runners in the draft if you put him in a if you put him in an offense like that and he's no slouch as a receiver in fact he I would say if I were going to rate the two just on catching the football, not running routes, but catching the football, I'd rather have Cam Akers. Cam Akers is an excellent player up the seam, being able to go and adjust to the football against tight coverage. He wins the football on a level that's very impressive, and he's a good route runner. He's not on Edward Hilaire's tier, but he's above other guys in in, in a lot of these in, in these looks. So to me, he's he's kind of a combination of a, you know, I think if, you know, he'd also be good in, in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. He'd be, I, you know, if you want to get rid of Marlon Mack, you could probably do that in a couple of years with Cam Akers if you're talking about contracts. Um, so I, I really like him there. And he kind of reminds me in terms of the way that he moves, his, his contact balance. Um, he's a terrific blocker too. And Edwards Hilaire isn't that, great of a blocker so you get a little more versatility out of acres if you play with a gap scheme with him if you're looking for zone and gap as a runner then Hilaire is slightly better all right Jerry any other questions about these two guys before we shift into some of the the guys we really got to get more dirt on including one of your personal favorites so downside to each guy um I know you mentioned Cam Akers is a great blocker and I watched your boiler room and he's 
duffs a nose guard on one of those videos. And he also, you sort of broke down how he likes to jump cut. Was that something you saw consistently in the backfield as a linebacker was approaching? Or was that just sort of nitpicking a flaw you could find? Um, I think it's more of a consistent thing where he he needs to be able to um, be a little more patient with his steps. Um, I have an upcoming um, film study at the Scouting Academy with Dan Hatman where we we today we profiled Nick Chubb for two hours. And I show the difference between what an efficient jump cut or um, jump stop looks like in a situation where you can open your hips and get outside and guys like Chubb and um, who Aaron Foster was a great one at this. There are a number of good backs out there. Even a guy like Jordan Howard or Frank Gore excel at being able to do this um, where they're able to just kind of open up their hips and take one step and get outside of penetration deep into the backfield. A lot of guys who have really great athletic ability like Akers, Kenny and Drake did this for too long. A number of other backs who are young and athletic tend to do this a little bit too often is that they jump cut towards the defender that's penetrating They because they overreact and they don't have control of their feet. And, and really it's they don't have control of their mind in terms of being efficient. And I think Akers is going to have to learn that a little bit. He can get a little inefficient there. But it's something that I see running backs improve upon. So I don't think it's a it's it's a fatal flaw. I just think it's one that, you know, Cam Akers, to, in my eyes, would be a top three or top four back if he had, um, you know, has the chance to be one of the top three or four backs in this class if he just improves upon the things that I would expect him to improve upon. Well, there you go, Jerry. I'm I'm really excited about this class because this class lost out on, as an example, Chuba Hubbard. It lost out on Tra- Travis Etienne, uh, as well as some other guys that didn't come out. But a couple of guys that I'm fascinated with right now, um, I think we all like Keyshawn Vaughn. We have not brought anyone on recently that has had a bad thing to say about Keyshawn Vaughn. Some people have liked him more than others. Um, I just want to start with Keyshawn Vaughn and Joshua Kelly. Both of them went to the Senior Bowl and went back and did some research. And for fantasy and dynasty purposes, it seems like one guy who goes to the Senior Bowl at the running back position seems to pop and have a, a bit of a run uh, in the NFL for fantasy and dynasty, whether it was David Johnson or Kareem Hunt. Which one of these two do you like more? I think we like them both. But between Joshua Kelly and Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, what are your thoughts on those two? Yeah, I'm I'm a big Joshua Kelly fan. I think that I I've liked him all year. I think he's an underrated player, and I think that he's going to end up being a starter in the league. Very good one cut runner, um, someone who can get downhill in the zone scheme, catches the ball fluidly, kind of the way Cant Makers does, but maybe not as tested. But from what I've seen him do, he he's very athletic and fluid and good hand eye coordination. Good deep speed. Someone that once he gets downhill and in, into the second level, he can make one move. He's going to beat that safety often and and really stretch a play out. And they play a lot of um, dense formations, kind of like tightly packed boxes where you have you know two, three tight ends and the opposing defense is going to have seven, eight, nine men in the box. And he wins in those situations, which tells you, Again, this is a smart decision maker, understands how to manipulate his blocks, read his read his um, keys, and to be able to set them up and stick to the game plan because the best runners actually stick to their blocking scheme and, and do it so well that they can s- create holes for themselves and allow blockers who've, who are going to miss their track against a defender to actually um, 
they can draw the defender into that blocker's area as opposed to the blocker reaching that man. And that's a subtle difference that a lot of the running backs don't matter crowd don't understand is that it's really about you. A lot of the better backs actually draw defenders into the realm of where the blocker is going to be as opposed to the blocker making the hole for the runner. And Joshua Kelly has some of that skill. So I'm a big fan of his Keyshawn Vaughn to me, you know, he's not far behind in terms of grade, but I think his upside is a little more limited. Um, So he's a back that I think gives you a good look who can run gap or zone like Kelly, but probably more limited to being an inside back and more of an inside runner who, yeah, you can use them on outside plays if it's, you know, laid out perfectly for him, but he doesn't, and while he has some breakaway speed and he has some, he has the requisite balance, he's a guy that's good at everything, but doesn't really have a standout trait. Um, and that good at everything means, you know, smart, well-balanced, the, you know, functional power, functional speed and burst, good footwork, good control of himself. If you put him, there's going to be a lot of teams. If you put him in, in the starting lineup, he's going to produce for you. The, you know, he's a he's a promising blocker, decent receiver, but I see him more as that guy who's between just at the the cusp of a committee back and a starter. So you think of guys like um you know Justin Forsett behind the Buffalo Bills line, or not Buffalo Bills line, behind the uh, Baltimore Ravens line, or Tashard Choice in Dallas years ago, or a guy like um Tim Hightower, when he had some good seasons with Washington and New Orleans. And he met Chester Taylor the year before Adrian Peterson came and had 1,300 yards behind the Vikings line. He's that kind of guy where I just feel like he's going to be good and then he's going to be looking over his shoulder because there's somebody's going to be like, we just want somebody with a little extra to his game than what he's going to provide. But you're going to be thankful as all get out when your starter gets hurt and you put Keyshawn Vaughn in. And I could see him having like a 12-year career if he stays healthy, you know, where he like has like three seasons where he has over a 1,000 yards, but there were three different teams. He's that kind of guy to me. Man, you uh, man, you, you hit some great names there. Chester Taylor. Tim Hightower won me a fantasy championship a few years ago in New Orleans when they pulled him up off the couch. I don't want to compare his running style or game, but when you said the way that Joshua Kelly followed his blocks, the way you worded it, it almost made me think of Le'Veon Bell in his prime when he was running behind the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know that he's that patient because Le'Veon Bell would just wait and wait and wait and wait for the, 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 the hole to open and he would go through and I like that I like using the tools and resources that you have available as a runner as opposed to just trying to freelance and create all the time yeah and I would say that the difference between a guy like Kelly and say Nick Chubb and Le'Veon Bell is that Le'Veon Bell has that special quickness where he could play peekaboo with defenders he could literally kind of he stuck with the the with the um, design of the play, but he could add that little peekaboo element to kind of peek outside one area and force to def- and wait so long that he could then force a defender to move off his spot and go there. Chubb does that to an extent, but he's also a little bit more artful with sticking to the design of the play. And he's a little bit, he's a little more compact and balanced than Le'Veon Bell is. 
Keyshawn Vaughn, um, Joshua Kelly to me is more in the mold of a Terrell Davis. And, you know, not saying that he's Terrell Davis, but he's in the mold of a guy who's that one cut downhill guy who, who may not be as shifty as guys like Chubb. Chubb's like very silent, very quietly shifty. Like he's, he's like, um, he's, you know, he's like if Saquon Barkley's like in and out burger, you know, then, you know, Nick Chubb is like the secret menu for in and out burger that people don't know about. Um, you know, in terms of his shiftiness and how he moves. I think that, uh, you know, I think that when it comes to Kelly, he's a little bit more of a guy that he's going to set up the crease, but he's, you know, in the same way, his shiftiness isn't quite as um, dynamic as either of those other guys, but still very effective. He's like Burger King. Like when you drink a lot, he's still okay, but he's just not the secret menu at In-N-Out. Yeah, or Steak and Shake or any of those joints that, that you just need some grease, right? There you go. All right. Well, I'm going to hit you with uh, two guys that I am not super high on. Maybe you can, uh, maybe you can give us some some reasons to like them more. Uh, I'll start with Zach Moss and AJ Dillon. Uh, AJ Dillon was just kind of an afterthought as this class was getting going, and then he had a really, a, I guess I would say, really good, but a better than expected combine. He looked better. He ran better. He performed better in that spot. I just still see, uh, in my opinion, from what I've seen, I see kind of a poor man's Derrick Henry, meaning like a, like a two-down back. Uh, I, I could be wrong there. And then uh, Zach Moss, uh, not watched a ton of him. I know Jerry's a fan. So uh, what do you have on those two? Yeah, I mean, I like both those backs. I think Dylan, for me, I have him in my top five. And and I like Dylan, because, and it's been kind of a – two-year thing about him that I've liked. You know, one thing that I see that's a criticism about him a lot is that he's, um, you know, he's got a lot of tread on his tire because he's just, he's touched the ball. He's attempted the ball, you know, runs 866 attempts, I think, in his career. So people get all freaked out about that. But the wonderful thing about football is, is you don't get hurt. You don't have chronic injuries and you carry the ball a crap ton like A.J. Dillon. Um usually that spells you're going to get a lot of carries in the NFL and you're going to be okay. You know, guys who were, uh, I've done the studies with it for 15 years. I've looked at backs and I show it in the RSP this year, just kind of show you all the backs that, that who either led the NCAA one year during their career in att- in, in rushing attempts for at least a year or guys who had a certain number of career carries and the list of guys you know, who had at least 900 yards and like seven touchdowns or guys who made the Pro Bowl, you know, off of their production, ranging from Ray Rice to Steven Jackson to um, Matt Forte to, um, you know, Michael the Burner Turner, Adrian Peterson, you know, the list goes on. And even guys who really didn't do much in the NFL because they just didn't have that level of talent, but they had long careers. And when they got into the game, they produced guys like Bobby Rainey. Bobby Rainey had a huge workload, and he was a little guy, you know. Was that was who, he, was he Tampa Bay Bobby Rainey? Yeah, okay, yeah. Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, New York Giants, um, Baltimore Ravens. He had an eleven or twelve year career, you know. So, you know, when you look at guys like that, AJ Dillon, you know, he fits in that mold, and so yeah, he's not going to make, he's not going to be Alvin Kamara, where you're going to feature him up the seam against a linebacker or a safety, but can you? Can you throw the wide route to him and he's going to catch it? Yeah. Can you throw the screen passes? Sure. Can you 
Can you have him maybe work on a Texas route, maybe outside in? I think he could probably do a little bit of that too, flat routes. And what you're going to get out of him is a tackle breaker who has really good burst and explosion for his size. He looks like he's gliding, and I think it makes him look kind of like a plotter. But he's very nimble. He's someone that, you know, when he gets to that second level, he doesn't just have a spin move. You know, he can dip and work away. So I'm a fan of his. My my buddy, Jay Moyer, who writes for me at the RSP um, site, you know, he and I probably disagree on Zach Moss a little bit. And I think a lot of my my colleagues who I I um, respect probably do as well. Um, they probably aren't as enamored with his burst. And they feel like that he's not quick enough to be an every down back, that he's just kind of a little bit too plotting. And I, you know, when I, I have a different window of times, the way that I look at players, like, you know, for me, when I look at 20 shuttle time, if a guy is somewhere between four, three and four, four, that starter caliber burst to me, some player, you know, and a lot of people look at that four, three, seven starter, you know, 20 shuttle. And they say that's reserve level. And I, I disagree with that. I, and from what I see on tape, he's able to beat linebackers to the corner He's able to beat some safeties on certain runs in terms of his acceleration into the to the next level. Not talking about beating safeties long downfield, but I like his movement. I like his flexibility. Um, there are some plays that you can probably call into question about his decision making. But you, you know, I talked my, with my buddy Jay, and you know, one thing that Jay has done, he does some terrific videos on video, YouTube that I'd recommend. But he's not much of a guy who projects talent. His, his, he's more of a, this is what I see here. And now this could be a problem where, as opposed to being a, as opposed to being like, this is how I project the talent where I think the player can be. And just from my experience and, you know, it's the hardest part about doing this is projecting where they could go and what they could do as opposed to what they are, what they are right now. He misses some blocks that he shouldn't, or takes some chances outside that he shouldn't. But from what I've seen, they're not, plays that are so chronic with every, you know, every blocking scheme that where, you know, where it's happened on one play, it hasn't happened on another. That's of a similar type of play call. So what that tells me is that sometimes he, he tries to make, take a risk that he shouldn't. And those are things that are, you know, things that you can fix with maturity and, and just kind of work and study. Um, and I think that he has that in him. So I don't know if he's ever going to be, you know, a, a pro bowl caliber back, but I think that he can be a lead back in a committee. I and he's such a good pass protector and a solid receiver that I actually think he can be a starter um, in this league and be a pretty darn good one. You know, 1200, 1300 yard back. Maybe he won't give you, maybe he's not going to give you 500 yards receiving, but I think he can give you two or 300 yards and give you double digit touchdowns in a good system. I just like fighters, and that's why I like Zach Moss. He just fights for every yard he can get, and I will ride that train until the NFL draft capital tells me otherwise. All right, Matt, we got the small school guys. It's the guys that, you know, not not a ton of people know. You know, people in the know know him. The most polarizing, Darrington Evans. And I want to know if you can tell me anything about James Robinson, another small school guy. We had friend of the show, Shane Hallam. He was ranting and raving about him. G- give me what you got, my friend. 
Sure. You know, Darrington Evans. I mean, the thing about Evans that's fascinating to me is you have a, you know, he's versatile. He's, he's someone that can catch the ball. Well, he's a terrific return specialist, obviously, you know, four, four, one speed, you know, very fast. Um, and he's highly elusive and speedy with that good hand-eye coordination to catch the football where he's going to have to work on his game. Some is that he doesn't really extend through contact. Well, he's going to have to develop a better finishing style as a runner so that he can bleed every yard possible out of that 510, 203 pound frame. Um, so from that perspective, I think that, you know, he's a player who, you know, the power isn't quite there. I think that he's going to have to, you know, just doesn't have the yards after contact skill. He kind of reminds me of a, like if, if at his absolute upside, maybe he falls into Felix Jones territory right now. He's kind of more of a Bernard Scott type of player, a guy that you could probably put in there and use in, as a space player and he can deliver for you. Um, but he's more of a committee guy. Um, then when we talk about who was the other guy we just talked about that you just mentioned, uh, James Robinson, that's right. James Robinson, low to the ground, thick guy with good speed. And he's, he's very sudden. He runs gap skill games, you know, gap plays really well. Um, and I think that there's absolute potential for him to develop into a, a role player in the league where he's going to have to get a lot better is with zone running with zone blocking because that's what the majority of teams do. So if he doesn't land on a team that's a that's a gap running team and there's good odds that'll probably happen because gap teams try to look for guys like this and zone teams try to stay away from dudes like you know Robinson, but there are a lot of teams that sometimes they go we like the athletic ability, we think he could develop and he, he's a late round guy anyway, so let's just take a chance on him and see and then it kind of hurts his long-term stock. Robinson's kind of in that realm. He's kind of a, he's kind of like a short Latavius Murray. You know, he's got this kind of awkward running style that's sometimes hard to pin on a defender to kind of get a, a, a you know, a beat on him. Um, and because he's very quick, you know, and he has some some contact balance to his game, you know, he can get into the secondary. He's he's a slow runner in terms of top speed but his initial burst is fantastic. So you're looking at a guy that probably can get into the secondary fast when he finds the right crease, um, and he can change direction fairly quickly. But if you're asking him to, you know, he's not going to pull away from a lot of people, you know, but Arian Foster was that kind of back. Um, So, you know, there's room. It's just a matter of, again, how good he becomes at diagnosing plays and really setting up blocks. And if he can do that, then he's got a fighting chance. I I will say this about James Robinson is that I'm looking at his player profiler and that his college dominator rating is is 48.7, which is the 98th percentile. Now, he went to a small school, but if you go to a small school, I want to see you dominate at, at a small school. And his spark score, he's a 90th percentile athlete. So you're right, his burst score is in the 92nd percentile. So... Uh, I want, it's my personal mission to drive up his rookie ADP along with Sh- <laughs> Shane Hallam. Shane brought him up. So Shane is a Debbie degenerate for the, for lack of a better term. And I say that with all due respect and affection because Shane's more than a, a Debbie guy. He's sure. a friend, but he's got 
2020, 2021, and 2022 seven-round NFL mock out there and a 2023 first-round mock out there. So he brought James Robinson up two years ago. So I'm, I'm really rooting for this guy. He's, uh, he's had a couple of good visits. And then Darrington Evans, the reason why I wanted to know about him is that he's got a lot of that Twitter steam right now. He He's a guy that I would not be shocked that if he lands in a good spot, and by good, I would I would say Kansas City in like the third or fourth round, or Tampa Bay in the third or fourth round, that his stock is just going to skyrocket. And those are the kind of things that I, I'm really trying to get a grasp on. I want to know who these players are as players before they, they get too much steam and their uh, their average draft position for dynasty becomes a bit of a gamble in an area that I don't I don't want to gamble. Yeah, well, the when you talk about those two players, two, one area that is maybe not vital, it, you know, when it comes to whether it's correctable or not, is ball security. And you know, some guys if they don't if they don't improve, they can go into a shell, especially if the teams decide they they're they've just had enough of the fumbles and it happens early on. When you look at Darrington Evans' career, he's only had one fumble. He's only had two fumbles and 536 touches, one per 268. That's star caliber ball security. So you can be assured as long as nothing crazy happens with his game that he's going to hold on to the football. Robinson has 872 touches with 12 fumbles. So he's had one per 72.6, which is on the low end of the committee tier for me. I my my committee tiers are starter star um excuse me star starter committee reserve free agent and deficient and he's kind of in the low end of the middle tier closer to like the reserve caliber tier um you know and he he carries the ball a little too loose from his frame so it's it's going to be one of those things for him he's going to need to tighten that up now it's not a death knell miles sanders and and sony michelle for the past two rookie classes are guys who had even worse ball security rates and performed well their rookie years. So it's correctable. All right. Well, we've been talking about steam. I want to get into three wide receivers. I want to shift positions. We're not going to hit you with any tight end uh, questions. We said that's uh, that's making tough choices at a bad nightclub at 3 a.m. You know, you're you're making decisions. <laughs> you're making decisions there that you don't want to make. So we're going to kind of avoid tight end, and we're going to spend our remaining bit of time talking wide receivers. These next three have all really, you know, in their own right, much like a Darrington Evans, have gained a lot of steam. Uh, talking Denzel Mims, uh, Henry Ruggs III, and Justin Jefferson. I was listening to a young man. His name's John Middlecoff. He hosts the Three and Out podcast. Sure. He, he's got connections to the league. He was a former scout. He said that a wide receiver coach said he may not be, and he being Justin Jefferson, may not be the biggest star in the league, but that he's a guy who will not fail. Uh, Mims was the athletic freak and has gotten a lot of, I guess, publicity or runs since the senior bowl. And then Henry Ruggs, I find him fascinating. I think that if he lands with the right offensive coordinator, I don't think Tyreek Hill is, you know, rep, uh, repeatable, but it, in the right situation, I don't know. I, maybe I have a thing for Ruggs, but what do you have on those three guys? Yeah. Well, Justin Jefferson's my favorite wide receiver in this class. He's not my top ranked guy but he's my favorite and he's not far away. Um, he's John Middlecoff's right about that. And I think the scouts that, that are talking to probably seen the same things I do. He's a extremely smart and intuitive football player. He understands how to play the game well. And what that means, you know, on the field, when you watch it is that 
he has good peripheral vision so that he and timing so that when he's an open field player whether with the ball or without the ball he finds the open space whether it's pursuit coming from the backside and he has the ball in his hand he's trying to make the man miss in front of him but he feels the back the backside pursuit he can time it so that that backside pursuit man dives for air and he still makes the man over the top miss i mean just that kind of feel for what's going on around him at multiple points. And that's not something you can teach. Um, You know, that comes from experience and someone who just has a good feel for what goes on. He's also someone, you know, when it comes to after the first route doesn't break open, he excelled with Joe Burrow to finding the open space. Some receivers you'll see, even in the NFL, you know, when they don't get open right away, you can see them kind of having to think about where that open space might break. They don't have that awareness of what the coverage is trying to do pre-snap to to just instantaneously turn up field or turn to a side or make a move that makes the man covering him tight, make that man miss and be working in the open areas. And just Justin Jefferson does that well. He's a fantastic blocker. Doesn't matter for fantasy other than that it's going to keep him on the field in a lot of situations where maybe a lot of other guys who might play the slot um, might not be able to stay on the field, and they might use him because he can hold his own as a as as a blocker to seal off edges um, against outside linebackers and safeties. But he can play inside, he can play outside. He to me, he's kind of a mix of Keenan Allen and DJ Chark. If you maybe not on the same level of athletic ability as either one, but he's just a notch, maybe a half notch below those guys on that level. But if you combine those two, what you're getting is a is a player who can play all three of the wide receiver positions, most likely will be used in the slot the most. So he's going to be a high catch player, um, a high volume player who can also make big plays. Henry Ruggs, like him a lot. I don't think he's polarizing at all. I think you just have, I think it's, this is kind of a product of people who go, I've seen fast players fail and I don't really study the draft all that much. I just kind of study the outcome of the draft. And and so, therefore, he must be Ted Ginn or Bernard Berrien, um, a guy who who just, you know, dominated the college level, but he had it easy because he played for a big powerhouse of a school or a successful program that year with a good quarterback and, you know, whatever. Well, listen, Henry Ruggs knows how to catch the football. He has a few frame issues with framing his hands, but it's in one very specific part of the game that's easily correctable. Otherwise, he goes up and wins the ball and makes some difficult plays with his hands. He can take contact. You may not see it all the time. People are like, well, I don't see it every week. I don't see it in every game. So therefore, he doesn't do it, you know, and I can't find it. All he does is make uncontested plays. Well, my job's to kind of watch as much tape as possible so that I can see definitive plays that, you know, either a pattern of plays that work out well or plays that are so definitive you go, that's not luck. You can put the pen down on searching for um, whether or not that guy is going to be successful against contact. And he's had those type of put the pen down moment plays. And that I'll use that. I take that phrase from Mark Schofield, um, who's, who often uses that pen, put the pen down moment as, as one of his mantras. Um, he reminds me, I think Tyree kills, Again, I agree with you. I don't think Tyreek Hill's the upside for him. I think, I mean, it. it's like he'd have to really blow it out of the box to be that guy. And the difference between those two is that Tyreek Hill was a running back at Oklahoma State. He understands how to run with balance with a low center of gravity. Same way that maybe Steve Smith, who wasn't a running back, but, you know, don't tell him that because he might prove you wrong 
um, even on that bad Achilles that he that he probably has now and and dust off his cleats and come back in the league to show you that maybe he could do that for some plays because he's that kind of player. Um, but, you know, Hill's more of a Santana Moss type of player to me. And you know, people who are fantasy owners might think of Santana Moss and go, well, that's not very impressive. But if you look at some of his better years um, and then you think what happened if he were in offense with a stronger arm quarterback and um, spread out the field as opposed to being in two wide receiver sets and against defenses that can manhandle you at the line of scrimmage compared to what they do now, the post Tom Brady era where now that, you know, quarterbacks protected all the time and the, and the defenders can't really push and shove as much as they did, you know, before Tom Brady got into the league. Um, then, you know, and I'm not being going off against Tom Brady. I'm just saying that he happened to be that era where all this kind of happened um, and changed. I think Santana Moss would have had a huge career. And I think that he's on that level of talent. And to me, if that means that where Santana Moss stack up to Tyreek Hill, I think he's maybe a shade below that, just kind of a, 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 a tier to a half a tier below that. But very good player. Ruggs should be productive immediately. And he should have some big. He should certainly have some big weeks this um, this year if we if we have a season. All right, Jerry, uh, you you want to hit him with a four pack, and we'll get him out of here on this uh, next four pack of wide receivers. He gives me all the guys that he doesn't want to talk. About. No, no, he no, gives no, me no, all no. the unpopular ones. No, whoa, 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 whoa! You you have my official twenty twenty man crush in this group, as well as a guy I'm absolutely fascinated about. Uh, but I'll I'll let you ask him. All right. <laughs> So another polarizing dude, Brandon Ayuk, uh, a guy I just watched your boiler room on before we got on, Brian Edwards. Lynn Bowden's another guy, and Randy's man crush, Michael Pittman Jr. Okay. So, all right, let's start with Brandon Ayuk. Um, I think Ayuk can be a starter, but I think that, and and he could develop into a good starter in the league, but he's going to have to develop into one. The idea that he's instantly ready to be an every down starter in an offense where they don't have other talents that can take the heat off of him and not have a primary guy on him. I think that would be a mistake. I don't think he's in that tier. I think he's a guy that wins on double moves, wins against zone coverage, wins against off coverage, and then also wins on short plays where he can get open and win in the open field. So there's a lot of things to like about those things, about those qualities. I mean, that's that's enough right there. If you put them opposite, you know, say Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and let them play in the middle of the field a lot, he could be huge in a, in a team like Atlanta, you know. But if you say, you know what, um, who's a team that needs a wide receiver that, that we could talk about? Say Houston. Say Houston, yeah. Say Houston and Will Fuller gets hurt again, and you know, and and you don't really, and you're relying solely on him. Good luck with that because he's going to get pressed by the top man. He doesn't handle press coverage very well just yet. Um, he has some issues with how he technically uses his hands, and and he it's inconsistency more than anything. Like in in certain game situations, especially later in the game, he tends to get his act together and he tends to use his hands correctly. But in situation, but it's like the first three quarters, or, or or you know the first you know quarter and a half, and then the you know and then like early third you know and then like late fourth quarter, um, you know excuse me the first quarter and a half and maybe like 
the second you know half where it's like this third quarter to the middle of the fourth quarter he that's where he has mistakes so i you know i just think that he he hasn't shown enough reliability yet and i don't think he has the speed that people think about in terms of you know really being the kind of deep threat that that people say he'll challenge anybody he has to win on the double move so he's a good player but in this class he's i think putting him in the top 5 is is stretching it from for me um all right so let's talk about michael pittman let's just get to him i i really like michael pittman i think that he's a you know he's a very dynamic player above the rim you know he can win the ball in the air He's he's very tough to get knocked off his line when he's running deeper routes. Um, and while I don't think he's a great after the catch player, he's certainly a guy that with his size, if he's near the red zone in the near the end zone, he can kind of lean through and get across. He can lean through across the sticks and get some yardage. He's a good short yardage route runner. I think he's a guy that you know when it comes to like the the little fin routes, little inside routes. He can set those up and then use that to get the double move and then be able to to work deep again. So I, I like his skill. He kind of reminds me more though of a Michael Williams, a Mike Williams, um, the, the former um, Clemson product with the Chargers, a guy who can give you that you know mid range fantasy wide receiver two kind of production um, once he gets his career off the ground. Um, the other guys that were mentioned remind me of the other two that were mentioned there. Uh, so uh, Lynn Bowden. Oh yeah, and then Brian Edwards, South Carolina. Yeah, let's do Lynn Bowden. Lynn Bowden to me is kind of a poor man's Randall Cobb, and I know that sounds like a convenient um, projection because and comparison because they both went to Kentucky because they both played multiple positions. Um, but there's some truth to that. I mean, he played emergency quarterback this year for most of the year, and I think that slowed his development as a wide receiver. But he has the baseline skills in terms of. Um, running some of the basic routes and showing the mechanics you need of speed cuts, um, his ability to you know play the sideline reasonably well, um, catch the ball technic- in a technically sound manner, and he has good hand-eye coordination that I think he can develop into a receiver. But he's going to need a little work to become an all-around player. You know, it's going to take him a couple years to either become a good slot receiver um, or to become a, a decent outside guy. But he's a big play weapon who's smart. Um, he seems to, he was a guy that really got his life together. Um, you know, he's a, he's a family, he, you know, he has a family already and he's, you know, he's been pretty dedicated he's been, he's got his degree. Um, and he kind of came from circumstances where you would say that he was at risk for not being able to go finish at school, um, where that, you know, and maybe not be as academically inclined because of just some of the disadvantages that he came from, but he was able to, to, compensate for that with just the intelligence that he has and the work ethic that he has um so you can see how maybe he will have a shot to become a fast learner on the field um but i I think he has a ways to go um before you can look at him and say he's going to be an instant impact guy um other than maybe on returns or as a gadget player early on um with some big play potential where if you're a fantasy player you're like See, I see what he's done. This he's going to be good, and there were like two to three weeks out of the year where he does that, and it's based on two to three plays, and then you're still waiting for a couple of years to see if that actually happens. Um, sort of like uh, Richie James for the uh, the Forty ers 
Yes, yes. And I liked Richie James. I, I did too. Richie, yeah. And and James, but I would say this, I think James has flashed more than what this guy will flash. I think okay. that uh, yeah. So I think more like Bowden would have to be used like Tavon Austin right now um to get that success and then you're hoping that he does he grows into a Richie James plus kind of skill set. Um with Brian Edwards a lot of the word about him is that he drops the ball. Um, but really, um, I didn't see a lot of that as a senior. I saw him make some incredible catches. Um, and he's a powerful guy. He's good after the catch. Um, I think he has some potential as a route runner to be more than just a sideline type of guy. I think he's going to be able to work the middle of the field. Um, and if he can just prove that his hands are consistent he can prove that you know from what people are saying about him i think he can be a primary wide receiver in the league um you know i haven't been my top 10 um i think that he's you know i think if you remember javon walker i think he might be able to have the kind of upside that javon walker had during his career if it all comes together and i won't be surprised if there's a team that really falls for him and and you got to remember you know people worry about hands and there's some guys that that doesn't work out for, but you know, Cortland Sutton was a guy that had, if you ask me, had some borderline real concerns about his hands. And I'm still think that he's a bit of an amusement park ride when it comes to every time I watch him go up and go after a ball, but he caught those balls last year. And, and while his hands hasn't, haven't completely gotten better in terms of the form that he uses, he's getting it done. And that's all that really matters. You know, if you're extending and winning at an early window and you're catching the ball against contact, even if it's not pretty, but you're getting it done, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to say, good job, hats off to you. But when it comes to someone like me trying to project that and seeing him at SMU and seeing the drops that he had, I, I, I had to have him rated a little bit lower. To me, Brian Edwards, I see better technique. Um, and I haven't seen the drops, but I only hear about them. So again you know i think that this is a guy that 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 can be a good player in the league all right i want to get you out of here on on this question not so much about a player but but really to validate or uh maybe counterpoint a, a statement i heard the other day I was listening to former wide receiver tj hushmanzada and he was talking about brian Pittman, and he said that what really separates wide receivers because i'm i watch film but like me watching film compared to you watching film, I am but merely a Padawan learner as it relates to watching film. And that is a Star Wars reference for you un, uneducated folk out there. But I, I, am, I am still getting uh, and getting the opportunity to watch more film. But the comment he made was, is like, there's a lot of guys who are fast in the NFL. He's like, but what makes a really good receiver is the ability to decelerate. Can you validate that? Can, can you push back on that? What do you think of that comment about deceleration at the wide receiver position? It's absolutely... 210% correct. Okay. It's not how fast you are. It's how fast you can stop. And that's true of a lot of positions um, in the NFL, because it's about how setting up how you can change direction and how sudden and precise you can be. Cooper cup is not fast. Cooper cups, one of the best route runners in the league. And, and what it is is about whether you have control over your feet. And I've, there's a great YouTube video. I wish I could link to, 
or I'll find and see if I still have it on my on my site. But it's about a wide receiver coach comparing the routes of a receiver who ran a four four when they worked him out and a receiver who ran a four seven five. And they show them running the same routes. And it's very easy to see that the guy with the 475 40 time looks runs the route much faster and much better than the guy who runs the 4-4 because he understands he not only can he drop his weight, you know, be able to kind of looks like he's sitting in a chair in midair, you know, it's like you're able to bend at the knees deeply and flex, get good flexion out of your ankles and feet. You can make those stops suddenly. And the thing is, is that when you're running routes, if you run them the right way with the position, with the lean, with the way that you play the leverage of a defender, there's a lot of little tricks to the trade that when you're watching good route runner, they're kind of trying to work into the blind spot of the defender. They're guessing they're taking the defender's position and we're using it against them there and they're timing it well within the route and selling maybe an opposite route with it. You can do all of that at 75% speed and make the defender feel like that they're running at 100%, you know, that the receiver's running at 100% speed. And if you stop quickly and suddenly, the defender's going to overrun the play because they're trying to guess what you're doing. They're not worried about whether you're going to just run by them. You know, there are very few players in the league, like Tyree Kill, Henry Ruggs are going to be the guys that can just run flat out by some cornerbacks with 4-3 speed. But there are not many guys like that. And there are not many plays that you're going to be able to do that on Anyhow, so you have to win in other ways. And some of the best route runners in the league, some of the best receivers in the league, Larry Fitzgerald, Anquan Bolden, Jerry Rice, Cooper Cup, um, Adam Thielen, you know, they're all, J- Jordy Nelson. These were guys who, who what they could do was make it look they were running at 110% when they were running at about 70%. And they put a different gear on because they know how to set people up with routes. So Ushmanzada, that is 200% absolutely accurate. All right. Well, Jerry, do you have anything real quick? I want to give Matt a minute to promote the RSP, the podcast, the YouTube, everything. There is nothing I could say that would be more important than that man promoting his stuff. So, Matt, take it away. But, but Matt, before you do, I want to make sure that you understand that Jerry runs a 47520. And he is is in the deficient category. But go ahead and tell us all about the RSP. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm sure he make he compensates in other ways. So that's you know that's one of the big things about scouting. And the RSP you can find it at mattwaldman.com. You can just buy it right there. The site that site looks a little different from my that sales site page looks a little different from my blog, which is mattwaldmanrsp.com. Don't be alarmed, it's me. It's still the same too. No one else, no one seems to be alarmed by that. But occasionally I get a question about it. So if you're new, you might not know that, but. You can get the RSP, you get the post-draft along with it that'll come a week, no later than a week after the draft, and then you'll get the newsletter monthly from June through December. Um, Those are the products available. My YouTube channel, Matt Waldman's RSP Film Room, has over 500 videos on that channel, ranging back from, you know, five or six years ago. Some of them are even with guests. Some of them were former or current NFL players. Some of them um, are with former scouts. And most of them, though, are just me talking through my process, looking at individual plays or maybe spending a half hour or an hour with players. And, of course, there's the RSP cast. I have basically two podcasts going on every other so – I alternate them every other week. One is the um, quick game with Mark Schofield where we try and go through – um, as many questions as we can. Sometimes we slow it down and call it the not so quick game. And then we uh, 
Then we have one with um, Russ Landy, and Russ Landy is a former NFL scout with the Browns and the Char- and the, um, um, Los Angeles Rams back in the day, and he now is working for the Calgary Stampeders as a scout. And he and I have been on all you know every other week where we talk about the process of scouting and how that applies to players that we've been watching recently and who've caught our eyes, and then different things about the you know the off season or you know draft season type of stuff that are topical for at that point of the year. So you can find that on iTunes and at pretty much every other outlet that you subscribe to podcasts on. Um, and and then probably, or at least we've, uh, I'm hoping, we'll see, we may have, again, the film and data pod with Dwayne um, McFarlane, who does terrific analytical work, um, and then Jay Moyer, who who's who's has a, an extensive high school coaching history um, and a very sound, understanding the fundamentals of the game and does some of the best videos you're going to see on the internet. He does some, he did some stuff with Chris Harris's um, site um, doing some reviews of running backs recently. I was super happy you brought him on for the record. He was uh, a diamond in the rough. And then I found out he was joining your squad and that was, it warmed my heart too. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad, And he will be too. When I tell him, well, there you go. We make it our effort here at the Dynasty War Zone to bring you the best. You want the best. It's our goal to bring you the best. We certainly hold Mr. Waldman in high regard. Thank you so much for joining us. And on behalf of Jerry, Matt, and myself here at the Dynasty War Zone, we're just trying to make the world a better place for fantasy football. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks, guys. Are you looking for a reminder of your fantasy football greatness? Are you looking for something to set your league apart from those dime a dozen jabroni leagues out there then head over to trophysmack.com and hook your league up with the best trophies in the game today and not only will you get the best trophies in the game today you can get a free championship ring up to a 59.99 value by entering in the promo code dwz ring you pick out your trophy which one do you like you put it in the cart, you add the ring to the cart, you add the promo code DWZ ring, makes the ring free, and your league is now a step above the league down the street. So if you're looking for the best, you want to be the best in the game, you want to have the best league in town, go over to trophysmack.com, get that trophy, get that ring, use that code DWZ ring, and let's have a big season.